All right, if you have a Bible, you can open to Matthew chapter 5. The text is also printed in the bulletin. Uh, It's the first Sunday in Advent. Really snuck up on me. And uh, normally, uh, during Advent, we would take up a special sermon series uh, during the season. Uh, This year, it's just so happened that in the regular course of our series in Matthew, uh, we've arrived at the Beatitudes just in time for the beginning of Advent. Uh, I didn't plan that, uh, but that's nice, don't you think? So, uh, so we will continue with our series in Matthew, and we'll also be doing a special series in, uh, during Advent. We're slowing down through this season to reflect on these particular sayings of Jesus that we have in the Beatitudes here at the beginning of Matthew 5. So uh, Jesus, you know, we looked at last week this sort of a synopsis of his preaching and his life, his ministry, uh, talking about the kingdom of heaven all the time. Jesus is always talking about the kingdom. He, he preached the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of heaven. And here in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, uh, we have a record of one of his great sermons, uh, usually referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And this sermon starts off here with this uh, marvelous, I, I don't know, mar- mar- introduction, right? So it's the, um, the first part of his Sermon on the Mount, uh, these Beatitudes where Jesus is describing the blessed life of the kingdom of heaven. It's the life that is defined by relationship with God. It's life that's defined by communion with God. So these Beatitudes really set the tone for Jesus' sermon here. They're really uh, characteristic uh, and representative of all of his preaching, actually. This is exactly the kind of good news that Jesus was always talking about, but it's not the kind of good news that anybody would expect to hear. In fact, it's uh, such a strange gospel, such a strange good news, it's often difficult to recognize it uh, as such, to recognize it as good news, actually. So, but that's what Jesus preaches. He preaches good news. That's what the word gospel means. So, so uh, let's take a look at the first of his Beatitudes uh, this morning. Uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit. That's in verse 3 there. And we'll consider how it is good news for us in Christ. We're going to read the whole passage. Um, and then we'll just focus particularly on uh, verse 3 there. So let me pray, then, then we'll read the scripture. <clears throat> Father, help us to hear your word and to respond to it in a way that exalts your son Jesus by the power of your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice. And be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Praise be to you, O Christ. Well, maybe you noticed uh, as you're reading through here, there is a bit of structure uh, to these, um, these blessings, these uh, beatitudes. Uh, the first beatitude that we see in verse 3 um, and the last beatitude in verse 10, they sort of match up. Uh, in both of them, Jesus gives the same reason for the blessedness. Uh, he says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, the poor in spirit and those who are persecuted. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So these are um, something like brackets around the group, right? These two Beatitudes that are like the bookends of the Beatitudes. Um, they identify the overall theme of the Beatitudes. Uh, and these are declarations of the blessedness of life in the kingdom of heaven. That's what this is about. Life in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is where life is lived with ultimate Reference to God's reality. The kingdom of heaven is where God is known and trusted and loved and obeyed as king. The kingdom of heaven is about a relationship with God. A relationship on his terms. Life with him on his terms. Life that is defined by communion with God according to the word of God. So these beatitudes, they tell us something about what life in the kingdom of heaven looks like uh, in this world. In this world. So the first and last Beatitudes are also similar, uh, not just in that they talk about the, that reward being um, you know, the kingdom of heaven, but um, in that they describe a kind of blessedness that no one would ever ask for. No one would ever ask for. Who wants to be poor in spirit? Who wants to be persecuted? Uh, so they bracket all the Beatitudes into a category together. These are counterintuitive blessings that Jesus is talking about. Right? Jesus is saying... This is the divinely favored life. This is the happy life. That word translated blessing is also translated happiness, you know. So, uh, but, but not just a superficial happiness, divine happiness. Real happiness and a joy that is rooted in your relationship with God. So this is the favored life. This is the truly happy life, the life that's blessed by God. To be poor in spirit. To be poor in spirit. Jesus is insisting on something here that makes no sense to us. We, we know... What it means to be blessed, don't we? I mean, it sure doesn't include any form of poverty, right? Any form of poverty. You don't use hashtag blessed on social media unless you're posting about your new Mustang or your new house or pictures of how beautiful and pleasant your life is. That's when you use hashtag blessed. Look, we just celebrated Thanksgiving this week here uh, in our country. It's perfectly right to be thankful for all the good things that God has created and we can enjoy in this life. Perfectly right to be thankful. But Jesus isn't talking about things like that when he talks about the blessed life in the kingdom of heaven. We tend to think of you know, pleasant circumstances, that equals blessing. Or uh, difficult circumstances like any form of poverty, for example, uh, that, that equals a curse. So when Jesus says... Blessed are the poor in spirit. This is a conclusion we never would have come to in our own judgment. Um, apart from his revealing it to us. We would never come to this conclusion apart from the word of God. So this is really true for the Beatitudes as a whole. All of them together. They describe the blessed life of, of uh, the kingdom of heaven. In surprising ways. Shocking ways. Even scandalous ways really. Uh, these are disturbing blessings. This is the good news of the kingdom that no one wanted to hear, right? This, this kind of good news. But, but here's the thing. The more you get to know Jesus, the more this starts to make sense. Uh, first and foremost, when Jesus is describing the blessed life in the kingdom of heaven, here with these Beatitudes, 
First and foremost, he's actually describing his own life. He's describing his own life. That's very important. Jesus embodies the kingdom. Jesus incarnates the kingdom of heaven. He's the king who embodies the kingdom of heaven in his own life. Jesus insists that what you see in his life, you read through the Gospels, you get a a nice overview of the life of, of Jesus. He insists that what you see in his life is true blessedness, even though he meets with conflict and suffering and persecution and even death. His life is the blessed life. Because he's the one who lives with ultimate reference to God, God's reality. His life is blessed because he is the one who knows and trusts and loves and obeys God as king. His life is blessed because he's the one whose life is defined by communion with God according to God's word. He lives with God on God's terms. Therefore, his life is blessed. Jesus is the very word of God incarnate. He's God made, made flesh. And if any being can be called blessed, it's God. God is the blessed one. His life, his being, is the very definition of blessedness, of divine happiness. Because God is triune, because God is Father and Son in the divine, blessed union of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is this eternally blessed God, the Son, living as a human being in right relationship with God. He's brought God's blessing, the blessing of the Trinity, right into his human life in relationship with God. He's brought it into humanity. Jesus' life in this world was blessed because of his relationship with God, even though we wouldn't have called him blessed just by looking at the circumstances of his life a lot of the time, right? We would look at Jesus, and uh, a lot of us would just see a poor man, because that's what he was. Never a rich man, a poor man. Someone who's always talking about being dependent, dependent on God the Father. So we would tend to say, Blessed are those who are self-made. Blessed are those who are self-sufficient. Blessed are those with a wealth of self-confidence. Blessed are those who are rich in the resources of the self. But Jesus rejects this way of life, the way of self-sufficiency, as uh, actually the way of death. He says that self-confidence, self-confidence is antithetical to the kingdom of heaven. If you're so self-confident that... The idea of God is irrelevant to your life. Then that stands in obvious contradiction to the kingdom of heaven, where relationship with God is everything in life. So Jesus' confidence was not in himself. He was never confident in himself. He did not have self-confidence. His confidence was in his Father. He was not self-reliant. He was dependent on God in every way. Jesus' relationship with the Father means everything to him. It means everything to him. Christ himself is the blessed poor in spirit who possesses the kingdom of heaven because God is his only treasure. So you know who gets the significance of this? Uh, It's the poor. In Luke's gospel, uh, this beatitude simply reads, blessed are the poor. Matthew, I think, gets the the gist of it when he elaborates a little bit and says, blessed are the poor in spirit. But uh, these are the people who understand the significance of this. Earthly poverty is at least a good metaphor for spiritual poverty. So the poor person in this world has no resources. Poor person is um, 
more likely to live at the mercy of others and to know what that means, to live at the mercy of other people, is more likely to admit his or her need, is more likely to be thankful for every little thing, for the gift of his life. Jesus, who often went homeless and hungry, literally poor in an earthly sense, he's the blessed son of God who who lives forever only by the love of his father, He confesses the Father as the source of his life. He depends on the Father for sustenance in everything. He's sustained by his relationship with the Father. His only treasure is his communion with the Father and the Holy Spirit. The rich easily become proud in their confidence and self-sufficiency. They become exclusive. They become hardened against their own need. It becomes difficult even to confess any need. So Jesus said it was impossibly difficult for them to enter the kingdom of heaven. But he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Not theirs will be the kingdom of heaven sometime in the future, but theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In his poverty, in in Christ's complete dependence on God, the kingdom of heaven belongs to him because he lives in communion with God. And it's through our relationship with him that that can be true of us also. We have this vicarious salvation in Christ, right? Uh, so Thomas Wynandy says about this, um, these, these Beatitudes, he says that in the incarnation, when God became a human being in Jesus, the divine son of God assumed the poverty of a created humanity. From within his poverty, Jesus relied completely on his father Jesus thoroughly fashions his whole humanity into a living icon of poverty of spirit when he offers himself humiliated and beaten to his father upon the cross as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. So it's, it's only through Jesus' own poverty of spirit, which, which really means his faith, his trust in God rather than in himself and in his own resources. It's only through his poverty that we find ourselves receiving the kingdom. And as his disciples, as those who are in union with the one who is poor in spirit, as those who follow this one, Jesus, and and who are renewed in his image, we become increasingly poor in spirit ourselves. So we're fairly obviously completely dependent on God for life, right? We are his creatures. We would not exist if not for God. He sustains us with his word. He sustains our existence and our reality and our life and breath and everything, and he provides for all our needs. And we know our spiritual debt. We know our spiritual bankruptcy. We confess it. Every Sunday, we confess it together. Whenever we confess our sins and and put our faith in his grace and his mercy. This is why it is such good news, this beatitude. Isaiah 57 says, thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. So it isn't in spite of your spiritual bankruptcy that God is willing to meet you. It's in your spiritual bankruptcy that he comes to you and he dwells with you. It's exactly when you have nothing but God and his love that you can relate most to Jesus. It's exactly when you have nothing but God and his love that you can relate most to Jesus, that you can commune with the Son of God himself in the flesh, who also has nothing but the Father's love. 
The poor in spirit are not second-class citizens in the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit are blessed because they inherit the kingdom of heaven, because they know Jesus intimately in his poverty of spirit, because they know Jesus as their only treasure and have no good apart from him. And sometimes our earthly lives correspond nicely to this spiritual reality. Sometimes we have nothing materially. Sometimes we're unable to work for a season for whatever reason. Sometimes we live entirely at the mercy of others, like when we're children. Children are poor. Children are dependent. Or in the infirmity of old age, we become dependent again, whether we like it or not. It's hard to be dependent. Maybe the hardest thing about poverty in any form is the shot to our pride when we know we need help, when we know we need to ask for help, when we have to face the reality that we can't just take care of ourselves. We often long for the independence that comes with a strong self, rich with the resources of the self. But Jesus shows us in his own life, shows us in his death and in his resurrection, that entrusting yourself entirely to God is the most wonderful thing about the kingdom of heaven because God blesses. God blesses. It's his fundamental predisposition toward us. The first thing he did after creating humanity in his image was to bless us. First thing that came out of his mouth after he saw us as his creatures made in his image was blessing. God wants to share the blessed life of the kingdom of heaven with us. As hard as that may be to believe. And the poor in spirit are blessed in their poverty to know the king of heaven in his poverty which really is, is to possess the riches of heaven. So, 2 Corinthians 8, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Do you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you count him blessed, who gave up everything but the Father's love? Do you know Jesus in his poverty of spirit, his absolute dependence, do you know what that's like? Do you know what it's like to be Jesus? When we have fellowship with Jesus in poverty of spirit, the true wealth that we enjoy is fellowship with Jesus. The true wealth of the kingdom is communion with God. We get to know intimately God's own experience of reality as we come to share in the life of Jesus. In itself, just being poor, that's no blessing. The blessing is in possessing the kingdom. Blessed are the poor in spirit because theirs is the kingdom of heaven because it means a life of knowing God in Christ where his reality defines your life and there's no greater blessing than that. Amen. Let's pray. Father, your son lives the blessed life forever, the blessed life of perfect dependence on you. Thank you for disclosing his life to us in your word so that we can know him. Please work in us by your spirit to bring us to a greater appreciation for who your son is. If you have stripped away our confidence in ourselves so that we find our confidence only in you and only in your gracious love, then we rejoice and we're glad because this means the kingdom of heaven is ours. Grant us the only true treasure that exists in heaven or on earth, a deeper fellowship with Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.